for me to believe that I've got nothing to prove I thought this dirt on my hands was gonna keep me from you I fall as much as I rise feels like my walk is a crawl when I'm alone in the night won't you leave the Change us. Uh... 
I'm done until it's good. Hello, peace. Hello. Welcome to 1C. Thank you for choosing to worship here today. Let's rise and sing our first song. I feel it working Goodbye to the 
And good morning, church. Scripture reading this morning is from uh, the book of Psalms. It's chapter 51, this classic uh, psalm of confession that David made after his adulterous encounter with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the word of the Lord. If you remain standing while we confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. do that this morning. Instead, we will just have a prayer, and then we'll go into the next song. Is it up there now? Thank you. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Church, the the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. The next song that we're going to sing is called Agnus Day, and it was written in response to Revelation 5. Revelation is written by Jesus' best, most beloved friend, John. And when John was exiled to the island of Patmos, God met him there and gave him a vision of the end times. And he captured that in Revelation. And in Revelation 5, John is speaking of a scroll that was sealed, and no one was worthy to open the scroll, and he wept. And yet the angel in the vision spoke up and was telling him that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had conquered the grave and was worthy of opening the scroll. So I want to read from verse 9 of Revelation 5 to give you a picture of what it was like in John's vision. Verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Your voice. Uh. 
boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. All right, yeah, come on up. Find a seat up here on the floor. All right. Come on up. Well, today we're talking about being made clean. All right? From things that make us dirty. And you know what? Spiritually, the biggest thing that makes us dirty is sin, isn't it? Yeah. Sin makes us dirty. So let's see here. I'm going to write something on here. All right. There we go. Sin. Now, as you think about sin, um, what are some sins that come to mind that maybe hurt your parents, your brothers and sisters, family? Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. What's a sin that you can think of? Can anybody think of a sin? You think of a sin? Yeah, being mean. What else? Yeah, did you have a, an idea? What's a sin that you can think of? Fighting. Being mean, fighting. What else? Yeah. Yeah, if your brother's being mean, you tell your mom and dad. Yeah. All right. What's a sin you're thinking of? You think of, think of one? No. One more. Yeah. Yeah, calling names, huh? Names. Yep, bad words. Yeah. And But you know what? We don't want to be dirty, do we? We don't want to be sinful, but we do sin. But we want to be cleaned up from this, don't we? Yeah, we don't want to be dirty. So let's wipe away these sins. All right. Uh-oh. I can't wipe them away, can I? What's going on? Uh-oh. You see what that says? Yeah, it's a permanent marker. Uh-oh. That's not coming off, is it? You know what? But I've got another marker. You know what that says? That says Jesus. Yeah, and you see what's on there? A cross. That's right. So you know what? We can't work hard enough to clean ourselves up, to forgive our sins, can we? No. But because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, our sin is covered up, right, because of the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. He died on the cross to be a, a sacrifice for us so that our, the payment for our sins can be taken care of, and we are covered by what he did. And you know what? He didn't just die on the cross, did he? He also rose from the grave, and he is alive. And that shows that he's more powerful than sin, than death, than the devil. And so as we trust in Jesus and the work that he did for us on the cross, our sin is wiped clean. You believe that? Look at that. It's gone. Did you know that trick? Yeah, you can see a little bit. You know what? I'm not perfect. Jesus is, but I'm not. And I missed some spots. And, but this is to just help us see, right? That Jesus can wipe us clean, but we can't do it on our own, right? 
So I just used a dry erase marker to cover over the permanent marker. That's a pretty cool trick, isn't it? If it's not a cool trick, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, if you saw your teacher struggling to get permanent marker off a, off a whiteboard, would you tell her that trick to help her? No, no. <laughs> you should say yes. Yes, I would help her. I <laughs> you guys are derailing my whole message. <laughs> Oh, she doesn't use them. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, you know what? We can tell other people this trick so they can have a white clean board, but we have something even better to tell people, right? Jesus, because Jesus cleans us from our sin, so we don't want to keep that a secret, do we? We want to tell everybody. So you know what? There might be someone this week that Jesus wants you to tell about him. It's not a trick. No, it's just a good way to clean the board, isn't it? Yeah. Will, we, will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, and you can repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save me and wipe away my sin. Help me to share with others this good news about you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up and helping me with this message. Good morning to all of you. A very special welcome to our guests. What a joy to be able to come together in God's house and be reminded that Jesus does cleanse us and clean us from all of our sin. And uh, no greater story than that is how much he loves people like you and me. And as I said too, if you're a guest, we're glad you're with us in worship. We invite you to come back, but we'd like to get to know you before you head out today. So whether you text 1C guest to 94,000 or if you stop at Next Steps on the way out, it's right in the family gathering area that direction. Uh, we'd like to meet you, greet you. A couple things that are going to happen in the service, just give you a heads up. We're going to have a time of prayer soon. And if you would like a prayer included in worship today, you can actually use a little bit of technology like right where you're at. And you could text your prayer request to 402242. 5051, and that'll be woven right into the service today. i uh, love for you to be a part of that. Also, you'll see that we have communion uh, here at 1C. We celebrate this gift every single Sunday. We, we are just thankful for the gift of grace that's given in this meal. It is bread and wine and body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. So if that's what you believe, we invite you and encourage you to come and celebrate with us. And that'll take place in just a moment. Um, also, just so you know, we're going to be passing what's called the joy basket. And we tell people this. This is a very true statement. You are blessed by God. Your blessings might be different than mine, but we're all blessed by God. And he likes it when we say thank you in return. And how you do that, we just ask you to please pray. Say, Lord, Thank you for the blessings. How can I say, say thank you in return? And uh, then you do so. It's always good to follow God's lead. And uh, the last announcement has to do with something coming up. Um, where is that one? On There we go. Yep, November 5th. 462 middle school students and leaders will be taking 
um, some space up on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, so it's going to be the 4th and the 5th, and they're going to be filling our campus up as they have a retreat right here. Uh, we just do, do want to give you a heads up. On November 5th, 460-some people, mostly middle schoolers, will be here at the 11 o'clock service. So if you like that many of middle schoolers in one room, we encourage you to come to the 11 o'clock service. If you're thinking that 462 middle schoolers are just a little bit too much for you, come to the 9 o'clock. Uh, come and worship. But I do want to take a moment right now before we even go any further to pray for this retreat. This is a time when our young people will be coming together. We have some of our own middle schoolers coming, but there are going to be kids that may or may not know Jesus. And so we're going to pray that this event, this moment, will be life-changing for these kids. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that we are privileged as a church to open up our doors to all of these kids. But more important than us opening up physical doors here is that your desire is to open up the hearts of these young people to know you, to love you, to follow you, to experience you and a relationship with you. So we pray now that you would start preparing, preparing these young people as they come here, prepare the, the presenters who will be sharing your word with them. Uh, be with them also as we worship together in this room. Oh Lord, may you do your thing. And may these young people be blessed. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
What a beautiful reminder. You know, Jesus is present. He is right here. And he is loving people like you and me who uh, we are so unclean. Very unclean. And it's called sin. And that's the theme for today as we look at another chosen episode. We're going to see a whole host of people in situations where there's a lot of dirtiness. Well, the storyline is this. It's not just something on a video. It's something in our lives. We all struggle with this thing called sin. So one of the things that God calls us to do is to take a moment and confess those sins, and then I will be privileged to remind you once again of what Jesus did for you. So if you would, let's join me in praying the prayer that is on the screen. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. And here is the good news. This is what you should remember, I should remember more than anything else. That 2,000 years ago, somebody named Jesus Christ came to this earth, born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, and then he did the unthinkable. He gave his life to be put on a cross and to die for the sins of the world. And when he was placed in the tomb for three days, after that he rose again and he was victorious over sin, over death, over the devil. And his victory becomes our victory. So may God give you the faith to believe this good news and to receive all the blessings in this meal. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the celebration of the Lord's Supper.
May this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. 
Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you with our prayers this morning. Ever so grateful for the privilege and gift of prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear us as we pray. This prayer for the family of Mike Langan who has gone to his eternal home. He is with you, healed and restored. And we pray that you will wrap your loving arms around his family in these grief journey days ahead. A prayer that you would, God, you would direct my path that life has chosen for me. And Jesus, a prayer to bring your blessing to Chris and Carrie on their anniversary today. May God bless you with many more happy and healthy years. Thank you, God, for the care of my sister following her fall and broken leg. Please give her strength and patience in healing. Jesus, this is a prayer for Robin as she prepares for surgery this week. Lord, please be with my sister as she works her way through her doctor visits and upcoming surgery. And please continue to give this family the strength that they need to support her through all of the unknowns. Jesus, a prayer for my neighbor Jack as he deals with his colon cancer diagnosis and learns of his treatment plan this week. A prayer for my coworker Roger as he deals with his cancer diagnosis. And Lord, a prayer for our daughter who has started chemo treatments. Give her strength and grace to overcome the cancer. All of these prayers, Lord, the ones that we have here in front of us, the ones that are in the sanctuary this morning that are in our hearts and minds, you know them all. Open us up to receive from you the answers that you bring. And so we close with the prayer that you gave us so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is week four, so this is episode four we're looking at. Just a reminder, uh, if, you, if you would, it would really help to take a look at the episode before we meet on a Sunday. And if you need, you know, just we can help you find Angel Studios, but if you find that, you will find all these episodes and you can watch it on your phone. Uh, if you have a Roku TV, you could probably even get that up on there and just be ready for this because we're going to go through a lot of stuff today. Um, and it's uh, really good stuff, this, this uh, episode four. 
Um, I want to give you uh, an image or a picture that I'm not sure what will do for you, but let's just see if I can get this to, uh, there we go, advance. Just take a look at that for a moment. And I will tell you, when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there, um, I started getting nephews and nieces. And I'll tell you, it was absolutely hilarious when I would see my nephews and nieces at the age of one, two, or maybe even older, um, getting messy like that, unless it was my turn to babysit. And if I had to deal with their messiness, then it became my problem. Well, here we are today. We're going to talk about messiness or being unclean, because uh, that's uh, the, the theme for today is uh, unclean part one. And then next week, we're going we're gonna to see some great stories unfold. So you don't want to miss next week. So watch the episode come, and we're going to walk through this, and we're going to take a look at it. But uh, this messiness, we can smile and maybe even laugh about, but I'm going to tell you there is a different kind of messiness that maybe, just maybe, or truthfully, it is true, we all have a messiness. And if this was the only problem we had, like chocolate all over our face, we could handle that. But let me tell you some of the messiness that, is, that I just have experienced in my 62 years of life. I remember when I was just 12 years old, right? And my brother was going to get a divorce. Oh my goodness, was that messy. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. It was a lot to deal with. And then throughout my life, I've, I've seen um, issues with finances, the challenge of finances. When we were at the seminary, let me tell you, um, nothing like going to a convenience store at a grocery store, taking your credit card and buying some kind of food with that. Because if you remember back at the time, all those years ago, those cards that you'd get for gas, you can also use to buy a box of Twinkies. You know, really important stuff. And then we'd build up this debt, and it was not good. So that was messy. Um, health. It, whether it's mine or my wife's, or, you know, watching my parents struggle with their health. That was very messy to navigate through. Um, and then I put this last one down here, and it's, it's painful for some people. The word addiction. Sometimes, sometimes we ourselves or people that we love struggle with addiction, and it is messy. And that's why the story of what we're going to look at today. Jesus stepping in to people's lives, no matter what they're dealing with, and saying, I got this. You know, and he does. And he is that faithful kind of guy. That's why, the, again, The Chosen is a great series that ultimately says this. Jesus was chosen to take care of messiness, and people like you and me are chosen to follow this Jesus so we can experience forgiveness and life and being clean. Great, great story. Now, where did it all begin? Uh, let's go back to the issue at hand. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was fine. Everything was clean. I'll just emphasize that word. It was beautiful. It was called the Garden of Eden. Nothing bad was there. Until all of a sudden they disobeyed, and they 
decided to do their own thing and go their own way. And then we have God now speaking to the woman, Eve, and then to the man. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Okay, so all of a sudden, childbirth now gets messy. Ultimately, what's being said, because sin came into the world. And then we get to the man. And to, to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. Sorry. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So here we have this idea of the word messy. And it's been messy like this since Adam and Eve. Because before Adam and Eve sinned, everything was perfect. But ever since their sin, all of humanity has struggled with this. Now to make matters worse, we get to this, well, consequence of their sin as well. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed a mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Just when you think things got bad, Eve, childbirth was going to be tough, Adam, Work is now going to be, you're going to sweat, and there's going to be thistles, there's going to be pain, there's going to be hurt. It's not going to be easy. And then all of a sudden we get to this place where they're, you're, they're going to be kicked out of the garden. Why? I'll tell you, theologically, I still struggle with it. Why did he do that? Well, quick answer is their own sin, right? God didn't want that. God wanted them in the garden forever. But because of their sin, there was a consequence to sin. So I thought about this in light of the current events in the Middle East. You've been watching the news or seeing any of it. You can, you can have all your thoughts and opinions politically if you want, but I'm not going there politically today. I'm going to go there spiritually. Because I think what's happening with Israel and everyone surrounding it and what happens with you and me today is a spiritual issue. And I'm going to put up a, a pattern of the history of Israel. And I'm just going to give you the summary. You can take a look at that. But there's been this rhythm ever since the beginning of time. And when we look at God choosing Israel to be his own nation, remember, through Abraham, things have happened. So here's the rhythm. The Israelites fall into sin. God punishes them with exile and captivity. And it just keeps happening throughout the history of the children of Israel. And now here we are in 2023, and it seems to be happening again. But here's the other part. Israelites repent of their sins. God saves them. He brings them back to the promised land, and he brings them back into the relationship that he is desiring them to have. He does not want 
a separation between himself and his people. He does not want that. He wants us to know him, to love him, to follow him. To see him as a God who is not far removed, but rather a God who is present and right there. So this idea again of being chosen. I want you to bring it into your life. The word, the concept of sin. Yes, Israel has struggled with it all the way through. Sin always leads to a spiritual captivity and a spiritual ex exile. Some of you know this, right? My first 17 years of life, there was this, I'll call it a spiritual captivity and spiritual ex exile. I was like off on my own. I didn't care about God at all. And I'm going to tell you, even today, there are times that my sin causes me to be held captive and to be in exile from what God wants. That's my sin. And I'm going to say that happens with all of us. So before we sit back and say, can't believe the nation of Israel, can't believe that they keep disobeying him and have this really bad rhythm, can't they figure it out? The truth is, we can't figure it out either. And we keep getting into captivity and exile. And we keep getting pulled in and we're in trouble. That's why the biblical concept of repentance. Some of you heard me use this analogy before, but this is what, this is what biblical repentance is. You're walking along and yes, you're in sin. Yes, you're being held captive. Yes, you're in exile from God. But you stop and you see your sin and repentance is this. We stop and see it. We say, no. And by the power of God's spirit, we turn away from that sin. And we go this way. We go towards God by his power, by his might. But all too often, when we are sorry and not repentant, when we're sorry, we stop in our tracks, we see our sin, we turn to God, and before you know it, we turn right back and we keep doing it. And so that's why you look at the children of Israel, they keep doing it. That's why people like Jim Thielen, I keep doing it. And God just keeps calling and saying, come, come. Yeah, Paul says, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. That seems to be a pretty powerful storyline. That's what I think is captured in The Chosen. Now, we're not going to watch a video clip today because I could not pick one clip. You know, I think we should watch the whole thing, so maybe watch it today or tomorrow. But I'm going to show you some pictures of where the chosen writers are depicting this idea and struggle of uncleanness. And so if you've seen it, you're going to see a picture of it, and maybe that'll jar your memory. Here's, um, well, do you remember how it starts, this, epi this episode? Black and white images of the disciples doing their thing. Remember, Jesus sent them out two by two. And they're doing powerful things. The, the demons are being cast out. People are being uh, uh, physically healed. You just see some great and mighty things. So there's a lot of uncleanness in that, those first clips. But now let's walk through this. So here's the first one. 
During the first synagogue scene, the reading is taken from Leviticus and the rules about how bodily discharges make a person unclean. So it's just being right, right up front. Then we get to this scene. The sewage makes the synagogue cistern both unhealthy and unsanitary and ritually unclean, which is a big issue for all the, the rules and rites that they have in their synagogue. And then now we have the story of Jairus' daughter. Um, we find that in the scriptures. You know, some of the other stuff, we don't really see it in the Bible, but it could very well be there. But you'll, you will find in Luke the story of Jairus' daughter, and we're going to see more next week. But she's made sick. And now they say by the unclean cistern water. We don't know. But we do know that she is not well. Then we get to Veronica. She's in a state of indefinite uncleanness because of her bleeding condition. Remember, 12 years of being unclean. Now we have the apostles debriefing from coming back from their two-by-two experience. And there's a brief discussion of how some of them traveled through Gentile cities which would have made them considered unclean. You just don't do that. But God called them. Jesus called them to do it. We get to Tamar. Her necklace appears to be pagan. If you, if you listen to the whole storyline, it has to do with a lot of her um, family, right? And uh, this very tense moment between her and Mary about this headdress and these jewels. Now we get to the story of uh, Gaius, remember? A Roman officer and Simon Peter, they're talking and he is, uh, Gaius is offering Peter the flask and he can't do that because he can't touch anything from somebody like that that would make him unclean. And then this moment. Um, I probably could have showed this one because I think this is so important. We have Gaius and Peter talking, and all of a sudden, Peter says something that just really hit home. These words, Jesus will undo some of that. You know, they're talking about all the stuff that's going on, and all the trouble that is going on, and that it appears to be an impasse, and made a big to-do about that word. But Simon Peter is beginning to understand that this Jesus, he's going to do things. And he's going to make a difference. He's going to change this world. In there, um, it made me wonder Simon Peter's awareness. It made me wonder all the disciples, if, they, if they've heard the scriptures, they kind of know human condition. They understand the way it is. And that's why from um, Isaiah chapter 64, it says, all of us are dirty with sin. All the right things we have done are like filthy pieces of cloth. And all of us are like dead leaves. And our sins, like the wind, have carried us away. This is, a, um, this is bad news. Now, Isaiah, again, the prophet of the Old Testament, telling God's people that this is the condition that you have, but you will also find in Isaiah, he talks about the Messiah that's going to come, 
the Messiah who will be the suffering servant who will take care of this uncleanness. And that's what they were all waiting for, the Jews. They were waiting for this Messiah that would do something. And I'm sure somewhere down the road, we're going to get this storyline of, of Zacchaeus. Um, that's probably coming up in maybe this next season. But we have Jesus with Zacchaeus, and he goes to Zacchaeus' house. Remember, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. You just don't do that. But this is what happens when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. He responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. In other words, Zacchaeus has shown that he has, he has faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Zacchaeus is believing that the Messiah has come, and he's in that house. And then Jesus gives what I call the mission statement, and it just follows this. This is verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, was Zacchaeus lost? Remember, tax collectors and sinners were lumped together. People like that would be the last people that would ever be saved by the Messiah. And yet Jesus is saying, today salvation has come to this house. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Um, just a little bit of uh, Greek for us today. The word save Sometimes I think we have a very narrow or incomplete view of that. Um, in the, the original language, Greek, it, it's sozo, and it has the basic meaning of rescuing one from great peril, which we get, but here's the rest of it. Additional nuances include to protect, keep alive, preserve life, deliver, heal, be made whole. So look at that for a second. When Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save, now you've got to have a little broader view. Jesus came to rescue you from peril, but also to protect, to keep alive, preserve life, deliver, heal, be made whole. He has come to do that for you and for me. So the question would be, where? In what way? In what way do you need to have your life preserved? In what way do you need to be kept alive or protected or delivered or healed or be made whole? Because if the truth is, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In what ways has he? And in what ways does he still need to? There are some areas of my life that I am still hurt over. And I'm praying that he would come and do this because he said he would. But there is a response that I believe that God wants us to have when we start being aware of this. So, example, with communion, I hope that when you receive that bread and wine and body and blood, you walked away going, woohoo, I am forgiven, I am loved, I am valued, and that God is great. That's what the psalmist says in, in uh, Psalm 70. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. So humor me if you would. If you're sitting here today and you know 
that you have been saved by Jesus, would you say out loud, God is great? On a count of three. One, two, three. God is great. Wow, I didn't even ask you to do it with that much gusto, and you did. If you're sitting here today, and you know that, I'm, and I'm glad you know that, I'm glad you hold on to that, but if there is an area of your life that you're still waiting to be saved from or through, and maybe it's just in the process and you need to hold on tightly to the promise, would you also say God is great? On a count of three, one, two, three. God is great. And I don't know in what area that is. It could be a relationship. It could be health. It could be finances. It, it could be all kinds of different things. But God wants to step into your life just like it's shown in the chosen. Jesus steps into life and he makes a difference. Jesus steps into that and their life is blessed and changed. God is great. Let's stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace now and forever. Amen. Oh
in peace and serve the Lord.
Yes.
All right. For our beginning, I'm just going to read Luke chapter 8, 40 to 56. It gives a little bit of the backdrop of, of, of today's message, but also gives you a little um, head start on next week as we see Jairus' daughter and the, this woman being healed by touching the garment. All right, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came, came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an, an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Jesus went. The people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on positions, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Where are you going? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared the presence of all the people, why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when she came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of this child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said to her, Said, but he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you... Um, Wherever you went, you made a difference. As we think of uh, that woman who just touched your cloak or, or Jairus' daughter or the many other stories we find, uh, you are powerful and loving. And today we come before you and we say thank you for loving us, each one and every one of us. I pray now that as we look at uh, this uh, episode, as we look at what we um, are being but before us, may we learn from you. So pour out your spirit, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, let's just go right at it. I, you know, one of the things I love is the, the, it says, bring to the group. What quote from the episode was the most meaningful or impactful to you, and then why? Now, it's tough because a lot of us, I mean, there's so many quotes, maybe you don't even think of one. Maybe you haven't seen the episode for a while. So I'm going to just put before you one of the quotes that is very stirring theologically. And I made reference to it in the sermon. 
when Gaius, the Roman officer, was talking to Simon Peter, they were going back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, Simon Peter was trying to figure out life, right? And then, all of a sudden, they started talking about the word impasse. And Gaius was like, well, what does that mean? And uh, to me, it's such a picturesque moment. But then Peter says these words. Jesus will undo some of that. That impasse, that uncertainty. How are you going to get through life? And Peter says, Jesus will undo some of that. What do you think that means theologically? And I, and I wrote down in my, um, the column, it says, Gaia says, uh, rules make life more um, complicated. And so, why is, why is Jesus dealing with this? How is that going to change things? How did people get right before God? But, you know, and he, hmm? Yep. Right. So often in the Old Testament, in order to get right with God, it's what you did. And now what Simon Peter is learning and what we learn in the Gospels, it's not what we do, it's what Jesus does. Faith alone. Grace alone. Yep. Faith, faith alone to grace alone. And that's how we live, right? That's how life changes. But for the Jewish people, it was very complicated, all the rules that they had. And I think, you know, this came right after when he was trying to pass the flask over. And it was like, a, you know, why don't you just take it? Well, my, my laws say I can't do something like this. Yep. Why were there the, the laws? You know, just maybe think about that. What was that all about? Maybe you, you haven't looked at this or studied it. Well, I think it was for higher up in the temple. One is uh, wanted to put laws on the common person so they couldn't reach them. Ah, okay, more of a squashing down. Yeah. In their in their eyes, and and probably the people's eyes too. Right. Now, if you if you go back historically, a lot of these laws that were um, given by God to the people were for their well-being, for health, sanitary things, things like that. It was just that's. That's what you just do. That's a really good thing to do. And it's what we do nowadays. Right. We don't think about it as any different than. Right. Yeah, and I think they would uh, back then connect the ritual cleansing with being spiritually clean. You get what I said? Them doing that must mean you know something spiritually. Right? And example, like if you watch us before we serve communion, we will go up and we will do this thing. Yeah. That doesn't make us spiritually more clean. But back then, that was kind of the thought. 
is if you follow these laws, whatever that is, the kind of food you eat and what you do with your time. Remember, some of those rules were ridiculous. Like if they're walking to the synagogue on the Sabbath, if while walking they grab a twig and it gets caught in their, um, their robe and they take so many steps, they have broken a law. That's how ridiculous it got. And what Simon Peter is saying is, this is going to change. And he's watching Jesus change things. And I, I really, I mean, you get that feeling of the disciples, right? When they're being sent out two by two. Do you think they were ready for that? If you look at verse two, uh, I'm sorry, uh, question two. The disciples returned from their mission. How did this portrayal of their surprise, delight, and confusion strike you? And why was James concerned about more fuss and, and scrutiny? Okay. I mean, maybe you've been put into a position where you, you just have to do something and you're not trained for it. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, I mean, again, this is just Hollywood, but I tried to put myself in the place of James. Why was James concerned about more fuss and scrutiny? He was afraid that they would say, why didn't you throw yourself? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they had gone out two by two. Now they're coming back, according to the chosen. And they're all sitting around, I think, in Peter's house, right? Simon Peter's. And they are now trying to experience this and debrief. And James, remember, there's a couple Jameses here. You know, big James, who, uh, 